I could have wanted more 
Oh, the beauty of the King. You make righteous of those who see. Thank you. 
stand in awe. I stand in awe of you, my King. Lift up my hands, give praise and sing. Here in this place, in your embrace, where all else just fades away, I am in love you, my King, because you gave your everything. Behold in your face, I'm changed by your grace. Lord Jesus, have your way. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. Bibles, and if you do, turn with me to the center of your Bible, to the book of Psalms, and find your place in Psalms 30. Would someone like my verses for the day? I have them written down right here. Anybody? No? No. Okay. Psalms 30. We're going to read verses 10 and 12. And as always, we ask you to please stand for the reading of God's Holy Scripture. You know, last week, the Holy Spirit was just pouring in here so heavy, I really thought the roof was going to blow off this place. And I love that, but at the same time, I, I hate to preach the week after. Because, you know, I, it's like when you hit the home run and then you get up there and you hit a single. That's probably what I feel, feel like I'm going to hit today as a single. But I'm going to do the best I can. Christian said, let's stomp his ears at the church. But usually when I think I have the worst message in the world, it's usually some of the best. So we're just God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. Hallelujah. Psalms 30, verse 10 through 12. If you have your place, say Amen. The Bible says, hear, Lord, and be merciful to me, Lord. Be my help. You, you turn my wailing into dancing, and you remove my sackcloth, and you clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent, Lord. My God, I will praise you forever. Hallelujah. Let us pray. 
Dear God, we just thank you this morning for the reading of your scriptures. Lord, I, I know that I'm a simple man, but I serve an awesome, mighty God. And Lord, I just pray that you let these words flow freely from my lips of clay. God, I boast in no one but you. My hope is in you. My strength is in you. My love is in you. Lord, I turn my eyes directly to you, and I ask you right now in the power of the Holy Spirit to move upon this vessel clay and touch your people through your words. God, we came this morning expecting not a word from a man or a preacher, but a man from the Holy Spirit, a word from the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, have your way in this service. Bless your people. Bless this time. We love you in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. So I'd like to begin this morning, first of all, with a, a few verses that David wrote later in his life. And these verses not only show you how to praise, but why we should praise. Everybody say, praise the Lord, like that. David said these words in Psalms 103, 1 through 5. He said, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all sins, who heals all disease, who redeems your soul from the pit. Are you with me so far? And crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Now listen, if you feel a little tired, a little old this morning, I tell you, the formula to get that youth back is to praise the Lord this morning. Can I get an amen this morning? Let's start out with the title of our lesson. Our sermon this morning is entitled, God Can Turn Your Wailing Into Dancing. Are y'all ready to dance this morning? I hope so. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, neighbor, regardless of how bad things may appear right now, God can use that to put a spring in your step. Hallelujah. I want you to remember Joseph. You know that Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He's been thrown in prison and his whole life he has spent all these trials and tribulation, but we read in the book of Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Jesus said to his brothers, you intended it for harm, but God intended it for the good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so what God allows you to go through in this life, he allows us to go through certain things in order to save others. In other words, it's what you go through is what can help people the most. Can I get an amen? I think it was Paul who said in Romans 8 and 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. Are you with me so far? And so the key here is to simply remember that the promises of God belong to you and I because we are the ones who love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. But here's what the world needs to understand. The world needs to understand that these promises belong to them as well. Because our, our God, the one that we serve, he is no respecter of persons. He loves all men. He loves the righteous. He loves the wicked. Because our Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible said that God is love. And regardless of how wicked someone may be, how ungodly they may live, it will never change the characteristics of who God is. And that's what the world needs to know today because the God we serve is a God of love. He loves me when I'm on my game. 
He loves me when I'm not on my game. Can I get an amen? My Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 8 that Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think it's in the book of Malachi chapter 3 where God says, I am the Lord God, I change not. Now, when I was considering these words this this week of David, I was simply wondering to myself, bless you, I was wondering to myself, what part of life was David living in when he wrote these particular words? Because how you write down something, bless you, babe. Yes, that'd be good, man, that's good. See, what we're going through in life determines the things that we would write. In other words, the words of a shepherd boy are not in the same category of a king. Think about it. A man who's a ruler of all the nation compared to a shepherd boy who's only the ruler of a few sheep. His words will not compare to each other. Those words cannot compare to the time when he was running from his life day after day, week after week from a king named Saul who was out to kill him. And so I'm wondering to myself, what part of his life was he living in when he wrote these words? Because all levels of your life and my life are very important. They can be used to help others. My Bible tells me in the book of Revelations chapter 12 and 11, John says these words, they overcame him. That could be the devil. That could be the spirit of fear. That could be doubt and unbelief. Whatever your enemy is, that's what that could be. But, but they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. We all have things we need to overcome. God's telling the only way that we can overcome them things is through the blood and through the word, the word of your testimony. Let me break it down for you. Your word, your testimony could become like a ladder, if you would, to help someone to crawl out of their pit. A man who has had 12 spinal surgeries can relate better than anybody else that's having a little back pain, better than someone who's only pulled a muscle in his back. Let me say it like this. Someone who was a cancer patient and now is in remission, they can relate better to that individual who just received a bad report. Even better than the doctor who only knows the science behind the sickness because they have experienced the hell that comes with it. A shepherd can relate to the danger of his flock better than a king who's never left the building. In other words, a preacher who's been in the streets can relate better to you guys than to someone who's never been nowhere but into seminary. I can relate to individuals who's hooked on drugs, marijuana, whatever it may be, pornography, whatever it may be, I can relate because I've been there. Not that I've been addicted, but I've been there. Your life, God allowed you to go through certain things Trials, tribulations, pain, suffering, death, and life. We've been through things so that we can help others. God has allowed you to go through something that no one else around you has been through it but you. Because God knows that he will put someone in your path that needs to hear what you've been through and how you escaped it. And David is one of those individuals who not only was a great shepherd, was a great king, but he also was a man who fell deeply into sin. Are you with me so far? 
And I'm so thankful today that, that I have a shepherd. I have a king. I have a doctor, if you would, who has experienced everything that I have been through and has given me the power to overcome it by the blood and by the word of my testimony. Are you with me so far? See, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 and 8, he says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. God said, listen, you're not the only one who is going through something. You think you're the only one that forgets where they put their keys. I'm the king of forgetting keys. I can have them strapped to my side and tear the house up looking for them. Come on, amen. You're not the only one who goes through things. God's saying, listen, I'm using it for my glory. Are you listening so far? Hebrews 4.15, the Bible tells us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one. Everybody said we have one. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. John 10 and 10, we know this. In verse 11, that's what I want to really look at. So John says the thief, Jesus says the thief, he comes only to what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. But Christ has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. But listen, he doesn't stop there. He says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so I'm thinking that David, he, he's writing these words after going through a great trial and tribulation, after going through a great storm in his life. And I'm sure he, he's feeling a little sad. He's feeling a little depressed. He's feeling the anxiety. And I feel today, today that the Spirit is simply saying to me, someone today in this room, someone is feeling lonely. You have friends, you have a church family, you have family, you have all these things, but inside of you, you still, some reason, feel alone. So I'm here to remind you, my Bible says, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. God says he'll never leave you alone. Even when you feel alone, God's presence is watching over you. You know why? He's the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Everything that he's done, he's done for a purpose so that you, can, you and I can grow and learn from what he went through in life, how to overcome those challenges. The Bible said he was tempted in every way. We know the devil came to him in Matthew chapter 4. If you're the son of God, Command these stones to be made bread. He's starving 40 days, 40 nights without food. You think you're hungry from keto? No. I'm talking starving to where the stones look delicious. Jesus said it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Are you with me so far? And see, what's sad about David is that David, he was all about trying to serve his king, King Saul. It was not in his heart to take over the kingdom. It was not in his heart to be number one. It was in his heart to serve. But through jealousy, through anger, this king came to kill him, to take him out. But David kept in his mind one thing. Through all these trials and tribulations, he escaped the spear several times, close to killing him. The words of God spoke in his heart said, Do not touch my anointed. In other words, you go through the trials. You go through the test. 
And whatever I allow you to go through, I will use this for my glory. And I'll take your weeping and your wailing and I will turn it into joy. I will turn it into dancing. Sam, you can't dance right now. Barely can walk. But, but, but what you're going through now will, will always be from, from this point on to the end of your life here on this earth. It will always be a, a time of trial and tribulation where doubt is trying to take over your mind. But God's saying, listen, you, you just keep on pressing on. You keep trusting my word, and I can promise you, I'll turn your pain and suffering into dancing. You may look like Jethro or Jed Clampett, but you'll be dancing, hallelujah. And so I'm thinking that David's going through a time of his life when he's going through the most trials and tribulations that he's ever been through when a king is trying to kill him for nothing, for serving God and for serving the kingdom. But we find that many years of running, many years of wailing, many years of suffering, we finally find David dancing in the streets when they brought the ark of God into the city of David, and they brought it from the house of Obed-Ebon's house. Read with me 2 Samuel 6, 12-14. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. You got to realize just a few weeks earlier, a man had died because he touched the ark. And David became angry because of it. But God took everything that David had went through. And now God is raising David up to a great man of God. And he is dancing in the streets to the point of embarrassment. I'm sure I embarrass my wife sometimes when I'm up on stage with staying red, getting my game on for Jesus. But I forget something. I forget about the people. In other words, when I'm singing and I'm rejoicing, all of a sudden everything becomes blank past the stage it becomes a blur because I get lost in the Holy Spirit I get exhausted I get winded I can't even hardly catch my breath because I'm pouring out all that I have to God last week I got lost in the Holy Spirit completely just in that place where it's just me and God and, 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 and I'm like Billy Graham says, listen, when you say amen to a preacher, it's like saying sick them to a dog. So, so if you ever say we need to get pastor preaching, that's when you begin to say amen. Because the more you get into the agreement with the word of God with me, all of a sudden we all become one in the spirit. And we begin walking in a new level of faith where we, we take all our trials and tribulations from the weak and it falls off to the wayside and you and I begin to dance in our spirit. Some of you are way, way down by the old Baptist doctrine. You don't want to dance in the church, but it's okay if you do everything in fittingly and orderly. In other words, keep your clothes on. Hallelujah. But, 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 but we need to understand that, that this is the reason why we should never miss church. Paul says it in Hebrews. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now that's a habit you don't want to fall in. Because once you fall into the habit of missing church, it becomes easier 
and easier, then all of a sudden Walmart becomes your church. The golf club, the golf course, the lake, the cowboys becomes your place of worship. And you give cowboys all you got. Woo! Hallelujah. Touchdown. Well, we come in here, we get silent before the Lord, and we wonder why stuff is not falling off of us. I used to ride some bad horses when I was younger until it broke me. But let me say, when you're on a bad horse, things begin to fall off. You'd be like, where did my watch go? Come on. You're in the field looking for your watch, your wing, your ring, your shirt will bust in half. Things begin to break when you begin to move. And that's what I liked about breaking horses. Because I was getting on something that had no control at all. And, and you could feel the power of horses. Mark, my brother, used to ride bulls. I said, you crazy. I would never get on the board. That's suicidal. But horses were created by God for men. Because horses is the great example of something called meekness. Now, this ain't on my notes. I'm just preaching in the Holy Spirit. Meekness is this. Controlled power. Everybody say controlled power. Christ was the meekest Man on the face of the earth. He had all the power to move mountains, to calm the storm, to raise the dead. But he walked meekly because he was not trying to bring focus on himself, but unto the Father. And all the things that try to latch onto Jesus' life, he shook it off. Because he had something called faith. When you have faith in God... It will turn your weeping into singing. It will turn your sadness into dancing, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you're going through right now. And so we find that David, at one time in his life, he fell into the place called sin. What had happened was he sent the men out to go to war. He got bored. I'll just stay home and I'll stay here. Walking on top of his roof, he sees this beautiful young woman bathing next door, Bathsheba. I'm glad women don't bathe on the roof no more. I'd be like David. I'm going to go out tonight on the roof tonight. Look at the stars. Come on now. Chris said, no, you don't stay in here and watch Netflix with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But David had spotted this young lady, and the problem was he knew she was married. But he desired something that did not belong to nobody but to a guy named, what was his name? Uriah the Hittite, was that right? Uriah? And so David has her brought to him. He has a relation with this woman. She conceives. Now we got problems. Because now... Another man's wife is pregnant with my baby. What am I going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make things even worse. I'm going to send Uriah the Hittite to the front lines. To the fiercest part of the battle. And when everything gets hot, I'm going to pull back to troops. And I'm going to leave Uriah out front by himself. And he will die in the field. Now, that might sound good in his mind, like a good plan, but you got to understand that the eyes of the Lord upon the righteous, but his ears, and his ears are attended to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Are you with me so far? Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Paul says these words, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man shall reap what he sows. And the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And those who sow to please the Spirit, from that Spirit will reap eternal life. And so here is the man after God's own heart, the man of God, the king of the nation, 
acting a fool as though God wouldn't see it. And what he don't understand, and now God, he sends the prophet named Nathan. And Nathan rebukes him. Basically telling him that God was demanding a life for the life. 2 Samuel 12 and 16, God said, I'm going to take your firstborn son from you. David's crying out. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted. He spent the night lying in sackcloth on the ground. 2 Samuel 12, 18, the first part. And on the seventh day, the child died for seven days, weeping, mourning, crying out to God. And the child dies. And so David's servant's like, listen, we can't tell David that his baby has died because if he did this, while the child was still alive, what will he do when the child dies? Well, I'll tell you what David did. David got off the ground. He washed himself. He put on clean clothes. He put on oil. David got his worship on. You know, at, at a time when you think that there's, that there's no way that someone could worship God is when you lose your first child. But you see, you got to understand what David says here. 2 Samuel 12, 22 and 23, David answered the servants. He says, while the child was still alive, I fasted and I wept and I thought to myself, who knows, maybe the Lord will be gracious to me and the child will live. Verse 23, but now he is dead. Why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? Listen to what he says. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. This is what David is saying. Listen, I can't bring him back. But I can sure go to him. And so David was not focusing on today's pain. He is focusing on tomorrow's victory. I'm going somewhere. The suffering, the pain that you're in right now, you got to understand, you can't focus on what you're going through now because your victory, your dancing will come later. And so what you have to do, you have to endure the storm because at the end of the storm, the victory is waiting on a calm sea. You see, when Jesus walked on the water and everybody's terrified, Jesus stepped into the ship and he said, peace be still, and the waters was calm. While everybody's fearful, fearful of their life, hoping they will not die, Christ is walking on the problem. Right now, the storms of life may begin to come into your life and the waves become overwhelming, you're thinking to yourself, there's no way I can live through this. But God's saying, listen, you just live through it. Because once you live through it, you'll look back and say, you know, I don't know how I came through this storm, but I know one thing, God is my redeemer. God is the one who would deliver me. And he'll turn your weeping into dancing. David was hoping in what would come later. Psalms 30 and 5. You remember these words. David said, his anger lasts for only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. But I'm talking about God can turn your wailing into dancing Romans chapter 15, 13, the Bible says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your hope in God can overflow into someone else's empty cup. My hope today can overflow into your emptiness. Like I said, someone's feeling a little down today. Feeling like there's really, I don't have nobody. You're wrong. You have somebody. 
The Holy Spirit in me lives inside of you. The God who raises the dead lives inside of you. The mountain mover, the man who can open blind eyes, the one who can heal deaf ears is inside of you. Something we should never take lightly. David cries out to the only God, capital L-O-R-D, Lord. He's identified who it is that he's waiting on, who he's trusting in, who he's depending on. Listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 10 to 10. But the Lord, he is the true God. He is the living God. He is the eternal king. And when he is angry, the earth trembles and the nations cannot endure his wrath. He's saying there's none higher, there's none greater, there's none more powerful than the God that we serve. The capital L-O-R-D, Ananiah, Yeshua. Come on, hallelujah. So David's plea is, Lord, be merciful. Lord, be my help. There was a time in David's life, can I finish this? There was a time in David's life when he did another no-no. See, God was real big about not counting. I've had people over the years say, how many people you got in your church? I said, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I said, I'm not allowed to count. But I can't tell you how many times I start counting empty chairs. See, God does not want us to be dependent on the number. And so David did the no-no. He counted his army. And the anger of God rose up and God gave him three choices. He says, listen, I'm either going to send a famine in the land for three years or I'm going to send you three months of running from your enemy or a three days from the plague of my hand. I want you to listen to the words of David, 1 Chronicles 21 and 13. David said to Gad, I am deeply distressed. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord because His mercy is not just great, but His mercy is very great. Do not let me fall into the hands of men. When you're feeling that way, defeated. When you're feeling that you can't overcome the obstacle that's before you, listen to me. You don't want to fall into the hands of a man. That's when you need to fall into the hands of God. And say, God, you know what? I'm feeling a little anxious about my decision. I'm kind of worried. I'm saying I'm not. My mouth is saying one thing, but my heart is telling me something different. I'm feeling something that I don't want to feel. So I'm going to have to trust you right now. I can't trust what I see or what I feel or what I hear. I got to trust beyond that. I got to trust in the unseen. I got to trust in God. I got to trust in His Word. You can't see the word of God, but when God said, let there be light, there was. Y'all remember the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a great man of God. and He had a vision. He says, I'm going to go back and I'm going to rebuild the walls that were torn down and the gates that were burned. And when he started that mission, persecution came from every Side And so what Nehemiah told the man, he said, listen, I want you to put your sword in one hand and put your tools in the other hand. And regardless of the persecution, they kept on pressing until the walls were built up and the gates were rebuilt. Some of you are feeling that right now that you feel like your walls have been torn down. Your gates have been burned, but God said, listen, Rebuild them. Rebuild those walls. Put up that wall. Because you remember a king, a king cannot 
tell someone who does not have walls the, the, the benefits of having protection. Our protection is the Holy Spirit. Put on those walls. One of the most interesting stories is found in the New Testament about Jesus when he's healing this woman who had the issue of blood for like 18 years or something like that. Y'all remember that? 12 years, thank you. But another man came into the story out of nowhere. His name was Jairus. He was a synagogue ruler. And Jairus came and he fell at the feet of Jesus saying, listen, my only daughter, 12-year-old, is dying. Would you please come and do something, God? And so as Jesus continues talking to the crowd, he's no hurry. Some of his servants arrive and said, don't, don't bother the teacher any longer. Your daughter is dead. Now, a man has came to Jesus with all the hope that he can do something, and now he gets another report. She's dead. And Jesus tells him, only believe, and she will be healed. And so they come to the house, and Jesus he has to put all the people out because all they're doing is weeping and wailing, crying out. She's dead. Jesus said, she's not dead. She's only asleep. And I come to wake her. And everybody's laughing. Oh, this is, he's gone too far now. She's stiffer than a brick upstairs and he's going to do something with this. I'm paraphrasing. You won't find stiffer than a brick in your. <laughs> so he puts all the people out. And he reaches down with the power of God to an impossible situation in your life that you thought was dead. And God says, rise up and eat. Give her something to eat. She's alive. Feed her. So, can you, now, it doesn't tell us what took place afterwards. But can you imagine your only child? Maybe you only had one. And the only one you had is now dead. And now they told you she's dead, but now she's getting up from the grave. Can you tell me there's not a party going on in the house? He's turned all their weeping, all their crying and wailing into dancing. Because I know they done kicked up the stereo. I would have. I'd hit it. Let's turn it up. Let's put some bass in the house. And that's what I see when I walk in those doors. Sometimes I walk in these doors, I'm thinking, Lord, are they alive? Will they live? And sometimes I just want to kick the bass drum so hard because I'm trying to get the life that's in me, out of me, into everybody in this room. Some say, oh, he plays drums too loud. Listen, I'm trying to wake you up. You say, I'm too old to get excited. No. The older you get, the more harder you should praise it. You know why? Because you're getting closer to that door. Because I don't want to walk into heaven like, hmm, I want to walk in with my dance on. If you're thinking to yourself that my stuff is dead, it's not dead because we serve the God who says, I am the resurrection. So when you say, you know what, my faith is dead, goody, because our God is the resurrection. When you say, my fires went out, good, he's the fire. When you say, I lost my salt, he says, good, I'll re-salt you. When you say, I've lost my love, I am love. And no matter where you are in life, God can feel that. So you can go to others who will come to it. 
And they're going to say, Miss Dollar, how did you have faith during this time in your life when you lost your mother? Because you see, I'm not focusing on the person I had to put in the ground. I'm focusing on the one who's now walking with Jesus. Your testimony of what you've been through. How, how, how did you make it through when you lost your husband? He said, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strength is found in being joyful through all things. Regardless of what you're going through, keep your joy, keep your praise, keep your worship, and keep your head up. Don't let the devil get you down. Because if he's like how we used to be, when you get someone down, you don't stop there. You kick them a few times just to make sure they know who's in charge. But when he gets you down, you remind him who pulled his teeth. <laughs> I'm talking about the Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? But here's the key. The key is this. It's how you dress. How do you dress? You, did, did we ever get those pictures? Pull up that first one. I said, oh, yeah. See, pe people dress like this. I dress this way because I'm trying to get people to believe I have more money than what I really have. I get my Armani suit on. But Jesus said, what does a man profit if he gained the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his soul? You dress well, but on the inside, it's kind of stinky, hallelujah. And so some people dress to show their physique. Come on, pull it up. Woo. That's me a couple years ago. I got on keto, now look at me. Some people dress like that to, to show everybody how healthy they really are on the outside. But you see, what you can't see with that man is what's inside of his chest. Jesus tells us, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4 and 8, that physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promises for both the present life and the life to come. You can work out till you're blue in the face. Here's the lie. The lie is this. I work out, I, I take care of myself so I, I can live longer. No, it don't work that way. You know why? It's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. It doesn't matter how many push-ups you do or how well you eat, you're not extend your life. When, it, when God says come home, you're coming. You may have arms like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you're coming. But here's what it does do. It gives you a better life while you're living here if you're healthy. That's why physical training is of some value. Because if you're unhealthy, you're overweight, you feel bad, guess what? Your life will be miserable while you're here. Let's go to the last one. Some people dress to make you think they are more holier than what they really are. I don't know that man. He don't know me. I'm just saying, my Bible says that all men sin and fall short to the glory of God. And I can tell you, I can wear me a collar up here, but that's not going to make me better than I was last week. So, you know what I wear? Whatever Christian picks out for me. Because, listen... If it was me, I'd have my combat boots on with my combat clothes. Because, see, I have in the mindset it's all about how you dress. Jesus said this, Paul said this, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. I clothe myself in humility because I put on Jesus. And after I put on Jesus first thing in the morning, then I begin to put on my full armor of God. Paul says, finally, my brethren, 
Are you with me? Do we have Ephesians 6, 10 through 18? Can we get that? Maybe I can quote it. Maybe I can't. Ephesians 6, 8 through 10, I think. 10 through 18. Find my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all the stand in the evil day, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Can I read it? You got it? I did it? Put on the heart that you may be able to stand. Oh, yeah, I was right. Against the wild. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Put on the full armor of God, taking up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and the Word of God. Taking up the helmet of salvation. You've got to be saved. It starts with salvation. You don't have salvation, you can't put on the armor. And I know how he ends it. He says, and above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I put on my faith, I put on my Christ, I put on humility, I put on Jesus. Let's all stand. And I try to put on the full armor of God. My feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. My belt of truth. My breastplate, my helmet, my shield. Try to put it all on, but underneath there's still the same guy. Still the same guy. Someone who struggles just like you do. So I can put on the full armor and look great. But unless Jesus comes in and touches my heart with the spirit of repentance, I will remain the same. I ask every day, God, give me the spirit of repentance. And what I've learned, this is crazy. I learned that the harder I try to do something, the worse I make a mess out of it. But the victory is found when I surrender and I ask for that spirit of repentance and it comes in me and it gives me the power to look away. The enemy right now is trying to draw you to something that contradicts the Word of God. You put on the helmet of salvation, you put on the shield of faith and the sword of spirit and you say, devil, you're a liar. I'm trusting in God. Some men trust in horses, but I'll trust in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Right now, someone in this room, my prayer was this, someone would come today that needs to be saved. And I say that to whoever it may be, because let me just say this to you. You don't know how much time you have left because it's, you have an appointment with God and you won't be late. But the key is when you stand before God, He's going to ask you, what did you do with my son, Jesus? Did you receive Him? Did you reject Him? Did you think that you could stand on my law and please me? Mm -mm. Are you trusting Jesus today? Are you saved? Do you want to be saved? Do you need prayer? Lord, I pray for whoever is in this room today. Every soul. Lord, take our trials and our tribulations, Lord, and begin to put that spring in our step. Lord, we need to dance out of this church. This week when it gets cold and you're feeling like your bones are aching, get up off that couch and get your dance on. Get your praise on. Let your wife walk in and say, what are you doing in here? I'm dancing to the Lord.
Because praising and worshiping God is where the power is. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. You make him joyful when he sees you getting your dance on. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Go with your people now. Bless them in the north, south, east, and west. Bless them in the mighty name of Christ. And God's people said amen. Amen.